section fifteen of norway sweden denmark iceland greenland and the search for the poles this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the world's story volume eight norway sweden denmark iceland greenland and the search for the poles edited by eva march tappan section fifteen stories of olaf the saint ten fifteen to ten thirty olaf the second was king of norway from ten fifteen to ten twenty eight he was sent to sea to cruise and fight when he was only twelve years old a wise old counsellor went with him but he himself seems really to have been in command when he was hardly more than a boy and to have had ideas of his own even then one of the most interesting of his schemes was his plan which is here described to capture london bridge the danes were in power in london and king ethelred the second apparently hired olaf to come to his aid olaf aimed at uniting his kingdom and christianizing his people he was overcome by canute and in the attempt to regain his throne he was slain in ten thirty by his own subjects danish rule under the son of canute proved to be less desirable than the rebellious chiefs had expected the good qualities of olaf returned to their minds and soon he was looked upon as a saint the editor saint olaf captures london bridge from the heimskringla it was then the case that the danish king svend forked beard was at that time in england with a danish army and had been fixed there for some time and had seized upon king ethelred's kingdom the danes had spread themselves so widely over england that it was come so far that king ethelred had departed from the country and had gone south to the land the same autumn that king olaf came to england it happened that king sven died suddenly in the night in his bed and it is said by englishmen that edmund the saint killed him in the same way that the holy mercurius had killed the apostate julian when ethelred the king of the english heard this in flanders he returned directly to england and no sooner was he come back than he sent an invitation to all the men who would enter into his pay to join him in recovering the country then many people flocked to him and among others came king olaf with a great troop of northmen to his aid they steered first to london and sailed into the thames with their fleet but the danes had a castle within on the other side of the river is a great trading-place which is called suderviki there the danes had raised a great work dug large ditches and within had built a bulwark of stone timber and turf where they had stationed a strong army king ethelred ordered a great assault but the danes defended themselves bravely and king ethelred could make nothing of it between the castle and southwark there was a bridge so broad that two wagons could pass each other upon it on the bridge were raised barricades both towers and wooden parapets in the direction of the river which were nearly breast high and under the bridge were piles driven into the bottom of the river now when the attack was made the troops stood on the bridge everywhere and defended themselves 
king ethelred was very anxious to get possession of the bridge and he called together all the chiefs to consult how they should get the bridge broken down then said king olaf he would attempt to lay his fleet alongside of it if the other ships would do the same it was then determined in this council that they should lay their war forces under the bridge and each made himself ready with ships and men king olaf ordered great platforms of floating wood to be tied together with hazel bands and for this he took down old houses and with these as a roof he covered over his ships so widely that it reached over the ship's sides under this screen he set pillars so high and stout that there both was room for swinging their swords and the roofs were strong enough to withstand the stones cast down upon them now when the fleet and men were ready they rowed up along the river but when they came near the bridge there were cast down upon them so many stones and missile weapons such as arrows and spears that neither helmet nor shield could hold out against it and the ships themselves were so greatly damaged that many retreated out of it but king olaf and the northmen's fleet with him rowed quite up under the bridge laid their cables around the piles which supported it and then rowed off with all the ships as hard as they could down the stream the piles were thus shaken in the bottom and were loosened under the bridge now as the armed troops stood thick of men under the bridge and there were likewise many heaps of stones and other weapons upon it and the piles under it being loosened and broken the bridge gave way and a great part of the men upon it fell into the river and all the others fled some into the castle some into southwark thereafter southwark was stormed and taken now when the people in the castle saw that the river thames was mastered and that they could not hinder the passage of ships up into the country they became afraid surrendered the tower and took ethelred to be their king so says otar swarte london bridge is broken down gold is won and bright renown shields resounding war-horns sounding hildur shouting in the din arrows singing mail-coats ringing odin makes our olaf win st olaf and his little brother from the heimskringla this winter his stepfather sigurd sir died and king olaf went to ringerica where his mother asta made a great feast for him olaf alone bore the title of king now in norway it is told that when king olaf was on his visit to his mother asta she brought out her children and showed them to him the king took his brother guttorm on the one knee and his brother halfdan on the other the king looked at guttorm made a wry face and pretended to be angry at them at which the boys were afraid then asta brought her youngest son called harold who was three years old to him the king made a wry face at him also but he looked the king in the face without regarding it the king took the boy by the hair and plucked it but the boy seized the king's whiskers and gave them a tug then said the king thou wilt be revengeful my friend some day the following day the king was walking with his mother about the farm and they came to a playground where asta's sons guttorm and halfdan were amusing themselves they were building great houses and barns in their play and were supposing them full of cattle and sheep and close beside them in a clay pool harold was busy with chips of wood 
sailing them in his sport along the edge the king asked him what these were and he answered these were his ships of war the king laughed and said the time may come friend when thou wilt command ships then the king called to him halfdan and guttorm and first he asked guttorm what wouldst thou like best to have cornland replied he and how great wouldst thou like thy cornland to be i would have the whole ness that goes out into the lake sown with corn every summer on that ness there are ten farms the king replied there would be a great deal of corn there and turning to halfdan he asked and what wouldst thou like best to have cows he replied how many wouldst thou like to have when they went to the lake to be watered i would have so many that they stood as tight round the lake as they could stand that would be a great housekeeping said the king and therein ye take after your father then the king says to harold and what wouldst thou like best to have house servants and how many wouldst thou have oh so many i would like to have as would eat up my brother halfdan's cows at a single meal the king laughed and said to asta here mother thou art bringing up a king and more is not related of them on this occasion how king olaf preached christianity by john fulford Bukeri. in the summer of that year king olaf sailed down to sondmore and leaving his ships in the fjord went across the fields to lesche and gudbrandsdalen he arrested the chief men in dover and elsewhere they had either to accept christianity or lose their lives and have their houses burnt those who were baptized were forced to give hostages for their future conduct the result of this strong measure was that men left norway in large numbers in preference to submitting to what they considered gross tyranny the king then entered lomdalen and exclaimed when he saw its natural beauty and little farmhouses here and there what a pity such a pretty place should be laid in ashes he went down the valley to a farm called noah's where he remained five days and the room he occupied remained untouched for centuries the king sent messages to the men in the district to meet him and accept christianity with the alternative that they would be visited with fire and sword most of them fled to the other end of the gudbrandsdal where they considered themselves in safety the chief man was dale gudbrand he was a hearse and had much influence he sent a boot-stick round which in this case was a stick in the form of a bow with a piece of cord at one end and the other charred to signify that they might expect to be hung and their farms burnt the place of meeting that gudbrand fixed upon was hundorp in the gudbrandsdal it was a place easily accessible by water as well as by land and was well chosen for collecting men promptly gudbrand made a speech of forcible character to the men he had assembled there has come a man called by the name of olaf he will give us another faith than we have now and will break down the images of our gods because he says that he has a god mightier than our gods it is a matter of surprise that so unreasonable a man is not swallowed up by the earth and that our gods have not broken his neck long since but i hope that when we carry thor out who now stands on his pedestal in the temple he will be to us a comforter and friend we shall then see this olaf and his men melt like dew before the sun at these words the bonders shouted that if they got hold of olaf they would kill him 
and seven hundred men were sent under gudbrand's son who was then eighteen years of age to Bryden to fight the king they remained there three days and heard much of king olaf from the men who had fled from the district which the king had visited the king sowed priests broadcast and journeyed towards Bryden, where he had heard the bonders had collected in large numbers to oppose him he rested during the night and early in the morning he placed his men in good order for receiving an attack from the bonders he then rode forward and addressed them they would not hear him but howled like wolves and struck their swords on their shields the king's men advanced slowly and threw their spears with such effect that the bonders hesitated and then fled a few stood their ground and were taken prisoners and amongst them gudbrand's son king olaf remained at Bryden for a few days and sent gudbrand's son to his father with the message that he the king was not afraid to pay him a visit and intended to do so gudbrand's son returned and told his father that it was not possible to resist such a man as king olaf that he feared nothing and possessed a will and courage that no one could resist what do i hear said gudbrand you have been a short way and lost courage in that little distance the night after gudbrand dreamt that a man appeared to him of bright and shining appearance your son said the man has won little honour in opposing king olaf but if you draw the sword against him you and your people will fall and the wolves will drag your bodies about and the ravens hack them gudbrand was frightened at this dream and his fright was not lessened when on telling his dream to another chief of the gudbrands dalin thord isterbelg the latter told him that he had dreamt precisely the same a council was called of the bonders and gudbrand advised that before fighting the man from the north they had better hear what he had to say respecting his new doctrine this appears to have been at once assented to as gudbrand sent his son to king olaf with twelve men and instructions to say that the bonders wished to discuss the subject with him and meanwhile that no attempt to attack the king would be made king olaf was pleased at this and moved his force to meet the bonders at a place agreed upon this was between a farm called lid and hundorp it was pouring with rain but the king stood up and explained how christianity had been accepted at lesja bayog and lam and how that the people there had taken down their heathen temples and believed in the god that had created heaven and earth when the king sat down gudbrand rose and said that he did not understand how faith could be placed in a god that no one saw whilst they on the other hand had a god they could see and if it had not been raining so hard that they should have had their god present when the very look of him would inspire fear if your god is worth anything king olaf let him give us a cloudy day to-morrow with no rain when we can discuss the matter further king olaf went to his quarters where he detained gudbrand's son as a hostage before they went to bed the king asked gudbrand's son what the god was that his father had referred to he replied that it was the image of the god thor who was tall and big with his hammer in his hand and supposed to be standing on a mountain ridge the next day the king rose at daybreak a church service was held and after an early meal he attended the thing with bishop sigurd the weather was cloudy without rain as gudbrand had suggested the bishop wore the full dress of a catholic cleric and spoke at some length of the advantages of christianity and the infinite power and goodness of god thord istelbelg rose and said the old unicorn who has just spoken has the use of his mouth 
he has also a crooked staff in his hand and a ram's horn on his head but can this god make a sunny day to-morrow when we will meet him and his king and either give way or fight and meanwhile let each man go to his quarters the king had amongst his her means men of his bodyguard a man named colbin kempe on account of the great strength of his arms he had a broad sword belted to his waist and carried a heavy club the king told colbin that he was to stand close to him the next day and directed holes to be bored in the bonders boats that were drawn up on land and their horses led away so that they could not escape in case of a skirmish on the following day as before the king rose early and after holding a church service he went to the thing and saw a number of men carrying the wooden image of the god thor the bonders rose and kneeled to their god which was placed in the middle of the thing the king and his men sat on one side and the bonders on the other dale gudbrand rose and said now king where's your god he is not present and neither you nor the unicorn the bishop appear so cheerful to-day as you did yesterday you see the piercing eyes of our god you seem as if you could not open your eyes and i advise you to abandon your stiff-neckedness and worship our god who has the power to destroy you in a moment king olaf whispered to colben kempa whilst i am speaking and you see the bonder's eyes are turned away from their idol knock it down with your club the king then rose and said you think we are afraid of your idol gudbrand but there you are mistaken how can we be afraid of a god who cannot do anything he is blind and deaf and cannot move from where he is now you ask where our god is look to the east and you will see a part of his works the bonders looked at the early sun and as their heads were turned in that direction colben kempa smashed the image of the god thor with his club a number of lizards snakes and rats as large as cats came out of the image they had grown fat on the offerings of the heathen the bonders ran to their boats but they sank when put into the water on account of the holes which the king had directed to be bored in them they then ran for their horses but could not find them at length they returned slowly to the thingstead the place of holding the thing king olaf's clear voice was heard above the tumult he pointed out the miserable idol they had worshipped and his forcible speech altered the fortunes of the day gudbrand and his son were baptized and supported the king's efforts to establish christianity in the gudbrandsdal olaf as a saint from the heimskringla king olaf was slain by his own people at the battle of stickelstad in ten thirty in his attempt to regain his kingdom from which he had been driven by the danes the editor king olaf fell on wednesday the twenty ninth of july it was near midday when the two armies met and the battle began before half-past one and before three the king fell the darkness continued from about half-past one to three also sigvat the skald speaks thus of the result of the battle the loss was great to england's foes when their chief fell beneath the blows by his own thoughtless people given when the king's shield in two was riven the people's sovereign took the field the people clove the sovereign shield of all the chiefs that bloody day doug only came out of the fray the bonders did not spoil the slain upon the field of battle for immediately after the battle there came upon many of them who had been against the king a kind of dread as it were yet they held by their evil inclination for they resolved among themselves that none who had fallen with the king should receive the interment which belongs to good men but reckoned them all robbers and outlaws but the men who had power 
and had relations on the field cared little for this but removed the remains to the churches and took care of their burial thorgils halmason and his son grim went to the field of battle towards evening when it was dusk took king olaf's corpse up and bore it to a little empty houseman's hut which stood on the other side of their farm they had light and water with them then they took the clothes off the body swathed it in a linen cloth laid it down in the house and concealed it under some firewood so that nobody could see it even if people came into the hut thereafter they went home again to the farmhouse a great many beggars and poor people had followed both armies who begged for meat and the evening after the battle many remained there and sought lodging round about in all the houses great or small it is told of a blind man who was poor that a boy attended him and led him they went out around the farm to seek a lodging and came to the same empty house of which the door was so low that they had almost to creep in and when the blind man had come in he fumbled about on the floor seeking a place where he could lay himself down he had a hat on his head which fell down over his face when he stooped down he felt with his hands that there was moisture on the floor and he put up his wet hand to raise his hat and in doing so put his fingers on his eyes there came immediately such an itching in his eyelids that he wiped the water with his fingers from his eyes and went out of the hut saying nobody could lie there it was so wet when he came out of the hut he could distinguish his hands and all that was near him as far as things can be distinguished by sight in the darkness of night and he went immediately to the farmhouse into the room and told all the people he had got his sight again and could see everything although many knew he had been blind for a long time for he had been there before going about among the houses of the neighbourhood he said he first got his sight when he was coming out of a little ruinous hut which was all wet inside i groped in the water said he and rubbed my eyes with my wet hands he told where the hut stood the people who heard him wondered much at this event and spoke among themselves of what it could be that produced it but thorgils the peasant and his son grim thought they knew how this came to pass and as they were much afraid the king's enemies might go there and search the hut they went and took the body out of it and removed it to a garden where they concealed it and then returned to the farm and slept there all night the fifth day after this thorir hund came down the valley of Beardalin to stickelstad and many people both chiefs and bonders accompanied him the field of battle was still being cleared and people were carrying away the bodies of their friends and relations and were giving the necessary help to such of the wounded as they wished to save but many had died since the battle thorir hund went to where the king had fallen and searched for his body but not finding it he inquired if any one could tell him what had become of the corpse but nobody could tell him where it was then he asked the bonder thorgils who said i was not in the battle and knew little of what took place there but many reports are abroad and among others that king olaf has been seen in the night up at staff and a troop of people with him but if he fell in the battle your men must have concealed him in some hole or under some stone heap now although thorir hund knew for certain that the king had fallen many allowed themselves to believe and to spread abroad the report that the king had escaped from the battle and would in a short time come again upon them with an army then thorir went to his ships and sailed down the fjord and the bonder army dispersed carrying with them all the wounded men who could bear to be removed thorgils holmesson and his son grim had king olaf's body and were anxious about preserving it from falling into the hands of the king's enemies and being ill-treated for they heard the bonders speaking about burning it 
or sinking it in the sea the father and son had seen a clear light burning at night over the spot on the battlefield where king olaf's body lay and since while they concealed it they had always seen at night a light burning over the corpse therefore they were afraid the king's enemies might seek the body where this signal was visible they hastened therefore to take the body to a place where it would be safe thorgils and his son accordingly made a coffin which they adorned as well as they could and laid the king's body in it and afterwards made another coffin in which they laid stone and straw about as much as the weight of a man and carefully closed the coffin as soon as the whole bonder army had left stickelstad thorgils and his son made themselves ready got a large rowing boat and took with them seven or eight men who were all thorgil's relations or friends and privately took the coffin with the king's body down to the boat and set the coffin containing the stones and placed it in the boat where all could see it and then went down the fjord with a good opportunity of wind and weather and arrived in the dusk of the evening at nidaris where they brought up at the king's pier then thorgil sent some of his men up to the town to bishop sigurd to say that they were come with the king's body as soon as the bishop heard this news he sent his men down to the pier and they took a small rowing boat came alongside of thorgil's ship and demanded the king's body thorgils and his people then took the coffin which stood in view and bore it into the boat and the bishop's men rowed out into the fjord and sank the coffin in the sea it was now quite dark thorgils and his people now rowed up into the river past the town and landed at a place called sourlid above the town then they carried the king's body to an empty house standing at a distance from other houses and watched over it for the night while thorgils went down to the town where he spoke with some of the best friends of king olaf and asked them if they would dare take charge of the king's body but none of them dared to do so then thorgils and his men went with the body higher up the river buried it in a sand-hill on the banks and levelled all around it so that no one could observe that people had been at work there they were ready with all this before break of day when they returned to their vessel went immediately out of the river and proceeded on their way home to stickelstad in the sand-hill where king olaf's body had lain on the ground a beautiful spring of water came up and many human ailments and infirmities were cured by its waters things were put in order around it and the water ever since has been carefully preserved there was first a chapel built and an altar consecrated where the king's body had lain but now christ's church stands upon the spot archbishop eystein had a high altar raised upon the spot where the king's grave had been when he erected the great temple which now stands there and it is the same spot on which the altar of the old christ church had stood it is said that olaf's church stands on the spot on which the empty house had stood in which king olaf's body had been laid for the night the place over which the holy remains of king olaf were carried up from the vessel is now called olaf's road and is now in the middle of the town the bishop adorned king olaf's holy remains and cut his nails and hair for both grew as if he had still been alive so says sigvat the skald i lie not when i say the king seemed as alive in everything his nails his yellow hair still growing and round his ruddy chin still flowing as when to please the russian queen his yellow locks adorned were seen or to the blind he cured he gave a tress their precious sight to save End of section fifteen this recording is in the public domain